When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We'll spare you the long list of labs that we've <laughs> known over the years because that's Eloise so. Eloise <laughs> and um, Amy and Navy and Avery and Shammy and, and Nutmeg and Zeus, and, Zeus Jonah. and Jonah. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we answered your questions on cul-de-sac living, prayer at the dinner table, thanking a wedding guest who hasn't sent a gift, how to handle puppy popularity problems, and a gamer's real-life introduction dilemma. All that plus a postscript segment to test your etiquette skills, a brief etiquette quiz. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Holy cleaning, Batman! You've been waiting all day to say that. I have been. I've been waiting all day to tell our audience how proud of myself I am. Well, do tell. This is a story. This is epic. So uh, my grandmother on my mom's side of the family, she always used January as the month to, like, fix up things around the house, tackle stuff. And in that spirit, I really tackled stuff. I steam cleaned the carpets in the basement three times over so they look brand new. I have cleaned out my entire garage, which— you let me let me chime in here. <laughs> that's just that's a volume of stuff in that garage. I remember yeah. when I was just moving into my place. This is years ago, four five years ago now. You invited me to come take a look and see if there are any household goods I might need. And I walked through there saying to myself, "You have two kitchens out here. Stuff, yeah. You have two living rooms." It's nuts. <laughs> we had grandparents both downsize at the same time on both sides of my family, and a lot of stuff I didn't want to let go of because I had the opportunity to to take possession of it or stuff that I didn't want to let go of because it was sentimental. And I just, it was like, you know, especially as you start losing relatives, sometimes you really need to cling to to physical items for a little while before you can then let them go. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a lot of stuff. Plus just having moved as many times as I have and then finally having a house to store in or people and roommates live with you and then they leave and they leave stuff behind. And we took two truckloads of stuff to the dump. I finally, I got in one weekend, I got my my garage from a place you could not walk in easily to having the ability to store two cars and my wood shop area is usable. I'm, I'm high-fiving you Have across fast. the mics. <laughs> but it was great. But not only that, this is all spurred to by the renovation. You know, the project is finally finished and now it's time to kind of set up my house and the main thing is that I really I have some really great friends and some new friends and I want to be able to invite them over to my house and enjoy this new functioning space that I have. So I've ordered storage shelves. I've got, you know, it's like the projects kind of keep continuing. Last night I was putting them to get those storage shelves together and just trying to make it a place that would be really inviting to be a host in. 
good work is so like that. As soon as you start doing one thing, the other things start to reveal themselves to you. You get drawn further and further into, I, I think, good work. Well, and as Dan will know, I, and as any relative of mine, friend of mine listening will know, that I'm not the cleanest person in the world. Like, I, I do that thing where I Mayor leave Coco. a trail of myself. Or I totally admit it. But I, it's not a way I want to live my life. So I'm trying to be a lot better of it about it. And rather than like last night, I was exhausted last night. But I still finished painting the trim in my bathroom and I put together the storage shelves and I cleaned up my – yes, I have a dressing room, my dressing room. It's a small room next to my bedroom that was too small to be a bedroom, so I turned it into a closet. But I – you know, it's just taking care of those spaces on a daily basis has really started to help. And this is going on two weeks of every day some kind of cleaning has been happening. So very proud of myself. But more than that, I can't wait to get to tell you all stories of entertaining because I will actually be able to do that. Well, I, I noticed that as we're prepping for these shows that are coming up that you've included some segments from the Great Get Togethers book, yes. which is the entertaining book that Lizzie wrote with her sister. And yeah. it's it's fun. It's one of our our books that isn't all just about uh, etiquette and traditional etiquette, but has yeah. some really contemporary ideas and, and party planning and the fun the fun aspects of etiquette, which are hosting. Hosting is a lot of fun, and you write in a lot of questions to us about hosting. And I wanted to be a better host this year. It was one of my goals. I didn't talk about it in our New Year's show, but it is one of my goals. So. Um, yeah, I'm cleaning my house well, for you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm cleaning my house so I can be that better host. You and Pooj, she's yeah. naturally more social than I am. Yeah. It, it occurs to her to say to me, hey, let's have some people over for dinner this weekend. I think to myself, what a novel idea. You want to <laughs> interact with our friends and neighbors. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> my hat's off. To, to the social hosts. Thank and I appreciate how much work it takes. I think it's one of the reasons that it doesn't naturally occur to me so much. I think to myself, boy, that means I'm going to have to do a bunch of things. <laughs> it um, is very rewarding, though, but to it have is your, rewarding. your friends and family in your space, making it warm, enjoying it. That's something I'm really, really looking forward to. And I'll admit, I had I had a friend, too, who gave me some nudges. Who was, he was commenting on how the last time he had been to my house, there were some things he had noticed. And I was just like, it bothered me that he, he said that. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to show you. My house is going to be clean. <laughs> I love that spirit. I know that like grudgingly, oh, I'm going to make this work. So I, I appreciate yeah. that nudge, though. It worked. He was, you know, I was giving him crud for it. And he was like, maybe you need someone to tell you that. And I was like, maybe you're right. All right. And then Let's... all of a sudden everything's clean now. <laughs> Let's wrap up this intro with a yeah. little nod to friends we can trust. To, to friends we can trust, to, yeah. to be honest with us and to deliver hard news well and in a way that it inspires. Yeah, and that wasn't quite so much hard news. But <laughs> I like the, the idea of allowing friends and family to make some comments that do inspire you to do some things. That's definitely well worth it. With that, do you think we should get to some questions? Let's do it. All right. Perhaps you can help me with a problem. I'd like your advice, Jim. My advice? Yes, I've got quite a serious problem. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first question is about, actually, a very friendly neighborhood. Hi there. We live in a cul-de-sac type environment with five homes. We are very fortunate to have excellent relationships with all of our neighbors. That's awesome. My question regards entertaining at our home with the neighbors. My husband and I are the most recent additions to the neighborhood, and we like to have people over for dinner frequently. We had an initial housewarming party where we invited all of the five household neighbors to our home. 
Since then, we have had each individual neighbor over on several different occasions and had some other open house events where all the neighbors were invited. My question concerns what to do when we have plans with one neighbor and another neighbor then invites us to do something at the same time. For example, let's say we have neighbor A coming to our house on Saturday night when neighbor B contacts me and says, can you come over for dinner on Saturday? Do we simply say, sorry, we already have plans? Can we take a rain check? The close proximity of our homes means that they will very likely be able to see neighbor A coming to our house, and they will realize our plans are a dinner with another neighbor that doesn't include them. My husband thinks we should invite neighbor B in this type of situation, but part of the reason I enjoy entertaining is keeping the group small. If I start feeling compelled to invite everyone every time, a lot of the joy in entertaining will be lost for me. Would love your advice on how to entertain in a fishbowl without hurting feelings. Thanks for the awesome show. You are most welcome. Sounds like a really great living environment. It really does. I I lived in a cul-de-sac in California for almost six years and was very fond of the neighbors on all sides. Nice. We never had dinner with each other. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think any of them were ever bothered by it. Yeah. And I definitely think that you're wise and thoughtful to be thinking about your relations with your neighbors and how to maintain them and maintain them well. There's an old expression that says the fences make the best neighbors, and I don't always think that's true. Sometimes they really help. Sometimes it's nice to have some privacy. It's nice to have some of your own space and some of your own distance. But um, it's also really important to have good relationships with neighbors. And in the spirit of recognizing both of those things, I think you're in really safe territory here. I don't think you need to worry about offending one neighbor if you're already having dinner with another and you decide not to invite them because you enjoy a smaller, more intimate affair sometimes. What I would do is I'd like to break down some of the etiquette questions. One of your first questions had to do when you already had plans with one person and someone else calls and invites you to do something. And there's definitely a a point of etiquette there, which is that once you've made plans with someone that you stick to them and that unless something really comes up, something serious, you don't cancel or make an adjustment. So I wouldn't ever say yes to that second invitation. Oh, so what I'm hearing you say is just because this neighbor B is now calling and inviting you to dinner, don't cancel and accept dinner with neighbor B. Can't You can't cancel on neighbor A. I get where you're coming from with this. Clearly not. And I think okay. that point of etiquette is internalized and a little bit assumed in the question. Okay. But then the question then becomes, as a good host, what if I then flip that invitation on itself and say, no, I'm inviting you over to our house. I'm already having dinner with neighbor C, and it would be lovely if you could come. If that was something that you wanted to do, that would be fine. As a hostess, that's that's your prerogative. I would definitely let the other neighbor know that someone else was going to be joining you that night, that the plans had shifted somewhat. But as the host, that's your prerogative. But if you do, as you mentioned later on here, really like to keep the affair a little smaller and carve out some time that you can really spend with each of these other families or couples or people individually, that's entirely appropriate and, and doesn't require an explanation. You don't need to worry about your neighbor seeing someone enter your home. It's not up to them to guess about what order – you set your schedule for that weekend social events. And it's thoughtful of you to think about how someone's feelings might be hurt. But in the spirit of good fences making good neighbors also, (laughs) we all have to respect each other's privacy and assume the best of each other. And just like you're assuming the best of your neighbors, based on how you're behaving, I'm sure they're assuming the best of you. And she has good precedent because, as she said, we've done group events with all the neighbors 
And we've had each person over for dinner individually. So I think that at this point, it's not like she's having neighbor A over, neighbor A over, neighbor A over, and then never inviting no neighbor B excluded. over once. Yeah. So I feel like that's just, you know, hey, your schedule is just the night that they decided to ask is a night that you're already busy. So entertain freely, whether it be a big party or a small, intimate get together. We are sure everyone's going to understand. And the next time, maybe they'll be the people over at your house for just that small, intimate get together. Our next question has to do with prayer at the table. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I'm so enjoying the podcast and hoping you can advise me. In our home, we have always said a prayer before eating our meal. It's a simple and very common prayer that people of lots of faith traditions might know. We frequently have guests for regular family dinners. Sometimes our guests haven't dined with us before or in a long time. And I'm wondering, what is the proper etiquette in this situation? Should we announce that we're going to say a prayer and invite guests to participate? We don't want to skip this important tradition, and we don't want to make guests feel uncomfortable. Not knowing the best way to proceed, we've been simply saying, let's say grace and beginning the short prayer. Sometimes guests have started eating and are embarrassed. Thanks for your advice, Joni Jones. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Joni, I love your question because your concern is about the guest being embarrassed, not not about you being offended that they've started eating and they didn't know. And I really I really love your point of view on that and that you're looking out for your guests in your home. I think that as a host, you start to have host language. In my family growing up, my mom's language was always we quite often did buffet style meals. In fact, 
rarely ever does my mother do a plated dinner for people. And so with the buffet-style meals, as soon as she invites people to buffet, she says, please, as soon as you sit down, begin eating. And that's become a part of her host language. And then a little later on, my dad might do a toast or something like that. But I love that this is her host language. And your host language might start to sound something like, please take a seat, we'll say our family prayer, and then begin. And it lets your guests know what's going to happen. Or if you're doing a buffet style, if there's lots of people there, you might say, please serve yourself and begin. And once we're all seated, I'll say a family prayer. And that lets people know it's okay to start eating. But once everyone's gathered at the table, we'll say that prayer. And it depends on you, your preference, whether that prayer needs to come before everyone begins dining or whether you can have that latitude where people could start and then you all say the prayer once you're gathered. It's up to you. But building that into your language as a host saying, this is what's going to happen. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) And having it be inviting and welcoming is really the key there. I'm really used to thinking about this from the guest perspective because this question often comes up for kids in the children's etiquette program that we teach where um, kids are eating dinner at each other's houses and different families will have different traditions around saying grace. And often the question is, what do I do as the guest? How do I participate? And if this is something I normally do and it's not happening, what do I do? I love the fact that this is coming from the other side of it. It's the host. How do I make sure my guests know this is going to happen And make them comfortable with it because I'm seeing some of them be embarrassed and I don't want them to feel embarrassed. I want them to feel like this is okay. And it is. And it is. And it is. Joni, we really hope that that helps and that um, you develop your host language and you can see the ease in confidence that you give your guests at your table. Our next question is about what to do when a wedding guest hasn't sent a gift but you still want to reach out to them to say thank you. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I recently discovered your podcast and am hooked. Here's my question. I got married this past summer, congratulations, and had a beautiful day surrounded by my family and friends from near and far. A longtime friend of mine traveled across the country to attend, which I truly appreciated, especially since she recently moved and is still settling into her new city. As I was diligently completing our thank you notes, oh, good job, bravo to you, I realized this particular friend did not leave a card or a gift. I am told that guests can send wedding gifts up to a year after the date. However, I'm not sure how common this practice is for my generation. I'm 31. I want to express my gratitude to her for making the long and costly trip to celebrate with us, especially since I know the recent move left her tight on cash. Although gifts are customary, her presence was present enough. But I'm not sure if a thank you note would come off as passive aggressive given that no gift was given. What do you do in this scenario? All the best, Lauren in Boston. Oh, Lauren, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> it's so good to have you on board. And congratulations. As um, longtime listeners know, and as you've probably discovered, I was also recently married, married this last summer. And I, I love a question like this because it gives me a chance to sit back and reflect on one of the happiest times in my life. I was looking at the pictures just the other night. <laughs> I was sitting here thinking, it took me a while to get you your wedding gift. Typically, yep. just to answer her question, typically wedding gifts, um, we say within three months after the wedding. And it sounds like it's definitely been that amount of time at this point. And so I think yep. she can just feel comfortable that this is probably not going to happen. I'm still in that year window myself. There have yep. been a couple that show up that have trickled in. Yeah. But I think generally speaking, I think that's really good advice. I yeah. think that you're past the window where you can expect any um, 
gift showing up. Significant number of gifts to show up. And let's get back to the heart of this question, which is that the real gift was this person being there. And that was the other thing that your question really brought to mind. I had friends who I had not seen in a long time who made a real effort to be there that day and to spend that time with me and to share that moment in life with me. And it mattered so much to me. And I've only found out later, in fact, just how difficult it had been for some of those people to manage that. And there were other people for whom I I was well aware of the lengths that they were going to, to be there that day. And it really does mean a lot. And that's what you can thank your, your friend for. Sometimes human attention is a gift. In fact, I think human attention is a gift. And you can thank her for her presence that day, for being part of one of the most special times in your life. And there really isn't a, a good or appropriate way to ask if you've made a mistake here and missed her gift or card or his gift or card. If there wasn't a card or a gift, that would be pointing out that fact. And as you point out here, it's, it's not something that really is of great concern to you. It's not the point of what you're trying to reach this person about. And I don't think that Lauren needs to worry about this being passive aggressive. Thanking someone for attending your wedding is just a lovely gesture. And if there isn't a a gift to thank them for and this friend did make such an effort, I think this would actually be a very kind and wonderful thank you to send. I do not think this will be passive aggressive. No. And if for some reason your friend did give a gift that was not registered or that you didn't keep track of or didn't get (laughs) identified as belonging to them, they'll get in touch with you. They can ask about that. If if there isn't a mention of it and it was intended to be delivered when the thank you note comes, that's the appropriate time for the receiver of the thank you note to reach out and say, you know, I, I sent something. I'm really hoping it got there. I just yeah. wanted to double check. Exactly. And hopefully that all works out. But mostly just be reassured you're thanking her for her attendance. It sounds genuine when you're telling it to us. And I think it'll sound genuine when you say it to her. So uh, best of luck writing that note. And um, again, congratulations on your first year of marriage. But there's more. What's that? More questions coming up. But first, a word from our sponsor. Let's try another trick. I like to read the title of this question because it's fun. It's about puppy popularity problems. Dear Dan and Lizzie. (laughs) We do like our alliteration here on Awesome Etiquette. (laughs) And new feature on our social media we're shooting for dog pictures on Fridays. Dog pictures on Fridays. Speaking of puppy popularity. Yeah. Hopefully not problems. (laughs) This question begins. Dear Lizzie and Dan. I have an adorable Labrador Retriever puppy. Pause while posts acknowledge that we love Labradors. (laughs) Who I take for walks as much as I can. I live off a busy street that has no sidewalks, and people sometimes drive by very quickly without regard to pedestrians. Because of this, I drive to a nearby park to walk my dog, which is the closest and safest option for me. I walk quickly on the trails and always have headphones in. I smile at people who I pass by, but make no other indication that I would like to stop and visit. My problem is that people, usually children, always want to stop me to pet my dog and ask questions about him. Often they will ask permission first, and I oblige the request, since I know that everyone loves puppies. My break in the afternoon is limited, and I only have 45 minutes that I can spend walking my dog before it's time to leave. I want to use that time, making the most of the walk, for both the benefit of myself and my dog. I wouldn't mind stopping once, but some days it ends up being four or five times. Is it okay to tell people no when they ask if they can pet my dog? If so, how do I say it in a polite way? Or is there another way I can communicate that I do not wish to stop and talk? Thank you for your help. 
Sincerely, Bonnie. You hit us in a soft spot, you Bonnie. You did, Bonnie. We're <laughs> such dog lovers. Benny's sitting right outside our, our booth today, only because he can't fit in the booth right now. And I deal with a version of this every time I walk down Church Street with Raju, and yeah. I, I've seen you Same do it coming and going Benny. from the office. Yeah, no, it's the truth. And it's both something you get used to and something you do learn to say no to. So I want to give you the confidence to say no. You are on a tight schedule right now. 45 minutes is not a long time when you have to get to and from and get the dog to to do their business, everything. So it's really important that you do focus on this time. Other times in the morning, in the evening, where you might have a little bit more time or you might be able to accommodate a little bit more time, those are times when you can let whoever wants to stop and pet the dog do that. But I think a couple lines that, that you might be looking for are, number one, it's okay to just say the truth. I'm terribly sorry. I don't have time to stop today and just keep going. So once you've let that one person or those two people stop and say hi, Cut yourself off. Give yourself a limit. And, you know, little children, it's really hard because they're really cute and you want them to have that experience with that puppy. But it's not your job to provide that in this world. So it's okay for you to say, I'm terribly sorry. I don't have time to stop today. And then rush right along. You know, these are strangers. You don't have to worry about it. They're asking and you're just letting them know the truth of the situation. Now's not a good time. Another line that sometimes helps people to not feel quite so put off by this rejected (laughs) connection with your dog is um, to let them know that you're training the dog and right now you're on a serious walk. I'm sorry, we're training right now and I have to keep him focused. And I've had people do that. Um, The golf course I play at is in a neighborhood and often people are walking their dogs and there are some really cute dogs and I always want to be the person stopping and saying hi. I've had um, people walking their dog from about 10 or 12 paces when they see me go, oh, dog, they'll just say, just so you know, we're on a training schedule today. So we're not we're not stopping to talk to people. And I never feel offended. I always feel like, oh, thank you for letting me know. Like, you know, carry on. Good work, dog. And I think that that's that's a line that because you are training a puppy, it's not it's not a white lie. It's the truth. And I think you could use either of those lines and be totally fine and people should respect it. And if anybody gave you flack, man, just put your earphones in and keep walking. Yeah. And as far as the question about are there other signs I can give, there absolutely are. You can walk with purpose. And that doesn't mean you need to stare at the floor or look away from everybody that you see and charge forward through your walk every day. But sometimes actually making the eye contact, acknowledging someone else that you see them, allowing that to happen and then breaking it and doing something else sends a very clear signal that, yes, I see you. Yes, I'm engaged. Yes, I'm aware. And that's it. That's the degree of our interaction. We've just passed each other on the street. We've acknowledged each other's humanity. It happened with a look and we're moving on. And we all do it all the time. And that dog really is an enticement to people. So walk with confidence, make that connection, then allow it to break and move on and you'll be good. And have fun with your new puppy. Please feel free to post pictures to our social media of him or her as they grow up. Okay. I Love our next question so much. It's a new territory for us, mm-hmm. the online gaming world. But I love that it's how do you handle online gaming introductions when you start getting together with your online friends in real life? It's got a, a long story to it, but I wanted to actually read the whole thing. So here we go. All right. I like it. Addled by aliases. I'm hoping I've used the word addled right. Hello, Dan and Lizzie. Thank you and your production staff, that's you, Hans, and you, Chris, for making such a useful and entertaining podcast. Listening to you makes planting hundreds of virtual seeds much less monotonous. 
I've been playing an MMORPG. That would be a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. We just looked it up. <laughs> For over a year now, and have grown very close to some of my guildmates. I have decided to plan a virtual tabletop game night with them and some of my IRL friends. That would be in real life. The problem is, I'm not sure how to introduce everyone as my guildmates generally go by their in-game names, but sometimes introduce themselves using other online aliases or, very rarely, their given names. To make things more complicated, some have nicknames that only they call each other. I don't want anyone to be confused or to feel that their privacy has been infringed. How should I introduce everyone without giving long, confusing lists of aliases and so that everyone feels safe? Here's a little bit more context. I've been playing this game for almost a year and have been in the same guild for almost as long. My in-real-life, or meet, M-E-A-T, space friends, and I met in high school. One of my IRL, in-real-life friends, plays video games, but not the same one and not online, and the other does not. With them, I'm not sure if they want to give their real names to strangers online— but they have no other alias that I know of. Should I ask them what they have others online call them and give that name at my party? And if they don't have a gamer tag, should I have them invent one because everybody else has one? If their situation wasn't complicated enough, my guildmates all have several names they go by. We normally use everyone's in-game names for clarity and so that newer members don't feel isolated. However, in more casual settings or outside of guild events, we might call one another different things. For example, Frank uses the name Pawnhammer in the game, but prefers to be called Lighter Fluid or Lighter, since that's the name he normally uses in online games, but isn't in this one for whatever reason. Frank freely gives out his name, but prefers to be called Lighter by acquaintances. Different members of the group will call him different things, from pawn to spear or something. Should I introduce Frank as Frank but call him Lighter? You might also hear him referred to as Spear Pawn Pawn Hammer. I'm just at a loss. There's a separate problem that some people have lewd or otherwise inappropriate names. While I've had months to adjust, my other friends might be jarred by this. I don't think they'll have a problem with it, but I don't want them to get a poor impression because someone made an inside joke with their spouse or friends in character creation. If they do have a problem using those words, what should I do? Should I include my guildmates' titles when we're hanging out? Such as, this is Commander so-and-so and General what's-her-name. These titles aren't generally used, but they do exist, and they inform our relationships to some extent. Thank you so much for considering my question. Sincerely, Addled by Aliases. Addled. Sounds this like fun. This is a real problem! <laughs> I love the amount of thought and consideration between respecting people's Wishes, identities, identities, relationships, privacy, privacy, a lot of etiquette questions totally. here. One blanket statement I have is that I think if you're getting together in the real world that you probably do want to transition a bit more to real world. If you're including the real world friends that don't play in that online world, mm -hmm. I think it's one thing if it's a guild event and it's all the people who participate in the same game. But I think when you're adding other people, you are going to have a little mix and, and carryover. We talk about respecting culture, respecting regional culture, respecting the culture of a home or a company. And you're talking about respecting uh, the culture of a community. 
I want to take a huge, huge step back before we dive into the weeds with <laughs> Pawn Hammer. <laughs> um, that whenever you have any question about how to address somebody or how to introduce somebody, I think it's a really good idea to ask them. I think that you can bring a lot of clarity to the situation by asking say. somebody, how would you like me to introduce you at our event on Friday night and make it a point and have some fun with it? I love the fact that Dan basically just took this incredibly complicated situation and simplified it to one simple strategy. Like, boom. Ah, the genius of good <laughs> etiquette. It's true. Um, but now's where you get to have some fun with it because this sounds like a fun event. So once you get that information from somebody, I really liked your idea. I'd like to introduce you to Frank, but call him lighter. And, and you might hear him call these names too. <laughs> what this brings to mind, yeah. the fantasy football league that I belong to was founded in high school long before the internet was an option. Totally. It's since moved online. I was introducing my wife to my fantasy football community, and there is a version of this that goes on. Really? Absolutely. Well, this is Pistol. Well, it's Eric, but people call him Pistol. And the, my favorite, my favorite one, and it comes from the high school days. This is Brad, but everyone calls him Jeff. <laughs> so when the people real are talking, a different real name when people are talking fun. about Brad, yeah. about Jeff, they really mean Brad and. The thing is, Pooj loves him for what a sweet father he is and loves the fact that she has to remember two names for him <laughs> now because people don't call him Brad, at least in, in this particular totally. circle. So have some fun with that also because nicknames are fun. And as long as you're clear with somebody and you're getting the way that they really prefer to be identified, yeah. identified, and then you can let people in on as many of the inside jokes and the fun twists and turns um, as you like. And I like the idea of asking your in real life friends if they how they would like to be introduced, especially them who aren't a part of this, especially they who aren't a part of this game. Thank you for reminding me this as you were reading. I was thinking and put the option on the table for them of, of assuming an alias for the night. You know, I, an I, alias I, for the night. I, I'm happy to introduce you as anything tonight. What, what would you how would you like to be known in this circle? <laughs> Your question was a long and fun one. And I just was inspired to share one other little story with you, which comes directly from my book, Manners in a Digital World, Living Well Online. And in that book, I tell a story about one of my best friends in college who was an MMORPG player. And he played for years. And he built his character up to the point where um, he had items that were of some value. And he ultimately uh, sold his character and used the money from selling his character to pay for a trip that he took with his girlfriend so cool. to Italy where he proposed to her. And they are now happily married and um, <gasps> living out their life in the Pacific Northwest with two beautiful children. And That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And the seeds of it started in this type of fantasy world and land. And uh, the transitions cool. that can happen between these virtual worlds and the real world that we all live in really are remarkable. And they happen in all kinds of surprising and, and unexpectedly delicious ways. I love it. I love it. We hope that your in real life night with all of your friends becomes so much fun and that it's something that kind of brings these two worlds of yours together and that you guys have a great time, names and all. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your questions on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. All right. Maybe so, but it's, it's also complicated. Is it? Look, there's nobody here. Let's try it out. What do you mean? Come on. 
you know, we're still in January, so it's a new year, and we have a new Postscript segment for you. We love, love the fact that you all keep telling us that you love to try and guess at the answers we're going to give on the show. And that, to me, is so wonderful that we thought we needed to, to really amp up that level of your participation. So... Drum roll now, Dan. Drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) It's quiz time! (laughs) Completely inspired by the many emails that we get, uh, we thought we'd love to have a little fun by giving an etiquette quiz. And we're going to say that the first three listeners to write in with all correct answers, and Dan and I get to be the judge of what constitutes a correct answer, although we have tried to choose questions that have concrete answers, but we say we will we will judge. In the spirit of the right. show, we understand there's a little play in everything. Every now and again. So the first three listeners to write in with all correct answers, either to our Facebook page or to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com, will receive their choice of a signed copy of either our 18th edition of Etiquette, our third edition of the Etiquette Advantage in Business, or our sixth edition of Emily Post's Wedding Etiquette. So think about which book you'd like. And get your answers out quickly. (laughs) We'll be going by the timestamp either on your Facebook post or the timestamp on when your email arrives at our inbox. And as we said, Dan and I do have license to judge the answers. However, we think they're pretty clear cut. So have your pen and paper ready. And here we go. Question number one. What is the only fork that appears on the right side of the table setting? Number two. Do condolence notes need to be acknowledged? Number three, if a dessert spoon is placed at the top of your place setting, which direction should its handle be pointing? Number four, if service at a restaurant is poor, what does the Emily Post Institute recommend for a percent to tip? Number five, do you register for housewarming gifts? Number six, True or false, traditional division of expenses at a wedding states that the bride and groom should cover the cost of lodging for the bridal party. Number seven, what will an electronic thank you never replace? Number eight, where does the guest of honor sit at a dinner party? Number nine, what is the traditional gift for a first year anniversary? And finally, number 10, if a guest brings extra guests with them to your party, what do you do? Again, please submit your answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com and use the subject quiz one answers. You can also post your answers to our Facebook page on Facebook at Awesome Etiquette. We will announce our winner and read the answers on next week's show. But why? Why does it matter? For several reasons. Look, maybe I can show you. Today's etiquette salute begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I wanted to nominate my friend Stacy for an etiquette salute, or 12. Not so much because she knows which fork goes where, but because she seems to spend her entire life thinking about other people. Stacy always sends handwritten, personally decorated birthday cards to her friends, gives the most thoughtful gifts, and is always thinking about how other people will react to what she says and does. Sometimes my wife and I have to remind her to think about and respect herself as much as she does others. 
For example, the first time I met Stacy, she drove 300 miles through a Colorado winter to meet us because, well, we were only 300 miles from her instead of 1,100. Stacy always puts a smile on my face, always makes me feel important, and never gets enough recognition for it, which is why she deserves an etiquette salute. Every time I find my wife on the phone with her, I yell out, Stacy's awesome, because there's no way she can hear it as much as she deserves to. Thanks for doing your podcast. I heard you two on NPR one night, immediately downloaded all 30-plus episodes, and have been working my way through them. Daniel R. I love that. That's I gotta say, friends who do a lot for other friends, it is a beautiful thing to recognize them. I just truly, truly think it is. So three cheers, Stacy. Bravo. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. Thank you for spending some of your week with us. And remember, there's no show without you. So please send us your etiquette questions, your comments and suggestions, and of course, your etiquette salutes. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Mm-hmm.